Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the October 9, 2022 session, focusing on Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, Learning from Lepers. I'm David Cassidy. I'm Nikki Hardiman. I'm David Adams. And I'm Daniel Glaze. Well, Bert is still away, uh, and David Adams is still with us. We're glad, Dave. Thanks for hanging around. Thank you. <laughs> you know, most of us uh, are given things across different um, parts of our lives. Sometimes it's a thing, and sometimes we're given experiences, and sometimes we're just given a gift of something. So I'm curious, what what's what's a memorable gift that you've been given, whatever the nature of that gift? One that's really memorable for me, it was kind of weird, was at Christmas a few years ago, my, my first Christmas with my current church, and they gave me a big tub of soft peppermints and a whole bunch of boxes of hot chocolate in a cup because <laughs> they knew I liked peppermint hot chocolate. You know, so, so it's interesting always when you see what a church might give you as a gift, but when they put that much thought into it, yeah, it, it makes some effort to do it. It made it truly special. Even though it was a bit weird, it was truly special because they really <laughs> had thought about it. I don't know. I, I remember a memorable gift I gave once. I remember one time David Cassidy was having supper at my house, and since he's the king of puns, I gave him a a cheese grater that was said Jesus Christ on it. <laughs> and um, the greatest. Was, I, th- yeah. I thought that was I thought it was a good gift. Pretty clever. Yes, I was grateful for that. Uh, there uh, it is. How long did y'all go that night? Well, it had a lot of puns written on it, so we had to read oh, those first. Oh, you had to read them all. And if I was not in, if I was in my usual office, I would have it nearby and I could read them for you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll just have to do that next time. Uh, this year for Mother's Day, my daughter gave me a one-of-a-kind design sweatshirt, and she had colored a picture of our, like digitally colored a picture of our dog who is no longer with us. And it was like me sitting next to the dog. And it said, we still tell stories about you. And the dog says, I know. And it's true. Like Mm. we still tell stories about Emma, the Basset Hound. She was a wonderful dog. And it was just the most, it was the sweetest She's my thoughtful gift. Mm. That's that's sweet. So okay, I did think of I get I get this gift pretty routinely, whether it's for Christmases or Father's Day. So my kids, even though they're they're growing up, I have one in college and one in high school now, um, they still give me the the homemade coupon books. Oh, oh. man, I love those. <laughs> I love this because they put so much thought because it's, it's not just like, okay, one hug or something. It's like, you know, oh, fun stuff. Like, like we'll, we'll drive you to get ice cream or, you know, fun things that we can do together. And I absolutely, there's among, among all the gifts, uh, you know, Christmas, those are always my favorite, the Mm -hmm. homemade coupon books. You can't beat those, man. Yeah. I bet you use every one of them. Oh man, they're they're usually gone by like the second week in January. <laughs> you, don't, but, you don't take them to a copy machine and duplicate them. <laughs> no, my kids are too smart for that. One day they're going to outgrow this, but I hope that's way in the future, man. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
I thought back when I when I was thinking of this question. I, I thought back to when Regina and I were were first married. We we I don't think we'd been married more than two years. And her parents, who at the time lived out in Denver, and we lived in Arkansas, gave us a trip out west. And so, I mean, so we flew out to Denver. They flew us out there, and then they drove. And we traveled down to the Grand Canyon. We drove across the Rockies. We went out into California. We, San Diego, we, we, we saw all kinds of things. And I remember that because I, you know, I had grown up in Arkansas and had not traveled much beyond the borders. And so for me, it was this incredible experience of just seeing parts of the country that I had never seen before. And I still remember that trip. Um, and the gift I gave them in return was I did an oil painting from one of the photos we took of, of some of the oh, Western scenery. And they nice. hung it up in their dining room. I'm sure they took it down when I wasn't around. But anyway, it was, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, no, it was, I remember that one well because it, it really it kindled a love of traveling that Regina and I have enjoyed since. We all are given gifts and, um, and hopefully give gifts. Gratitude is a part of our lives and a part of our faith. And it looks like today we have a passage where that may play a role. Daniel, would you help us get started? Sure, I'll be glad to. So leprosy was a pretty common disease in Bible times, so common that there are two whole chapters in the Old Testament book of Leviticus prescribing how priests, as sort of guardians of public health, should diagnose diseases of the skin how they should pronounce lepers unclean, and how they should perform rites of purification should they be healed. As for the lepers, the one, quote, who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his lip and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease, he is unclean. He shall dwell alone in a habitation outside the camp. End quote. That's Leviticus 13. At a time when most illnesses were seen as divine punishment for sin, I find it curious that leprosy doesn't seem to have been viewed the same way. Part of its horror is that it was inexplicable, striking at random. No one really knew how you got it. So they did all they could do, keep away from those who had it. Therefore, lepers were cast out, literally kicked out of the village. I imagine, as is often the case with victims like this, they often don't challenge the system. They know their place. They don't cross the line. But in our story today, the lepers act a bit differently. Perhaps you notice that the lepers in our story when seeing Jesus, they did not call out, unclean, unclean. I wonder if, upon hearing about this Jesus fellow, they found a bit of hope. Maybe they heard he had healed a man born blind. Maybe they heard he healed a woman with a flow of blood. Maybe they heard that he had healed a paralytic. And maybe, just maybe, he might heal them too. And when they see Jesus... These lepers did not pray a prayer of entitlement. Lord, bless us. No, they prayed the prayer of those who truly understand where they stand before God. They prayed, Jesus, have mercy on us. 
And Jesus does a strange thing here. Unlike other healings, he doesn't lay hands on them and order the leprosy to leave or anything like that. He just tells them, go, show yourselves to the priest. There's no mud, no spittle, no command to go and wash like Naaman. There's no talk of faith, no healing hands, just go. So off they go, not arguing not wondering, not asking why Jesus doesn't heal them first. They simply do as they are told, disappearing as quickly and as submissively as they had appeared. And Luke says, and I think this is key, Luke says, as they go, they are made clean. We don't know how, and neither do they. They just are. Somewhere down the road to Jerusalem, scabs fall away, color returns, feeling that has been lost for years comes back. Ten lepers suddenly find themselves wearing brand new skin, as perfect and as soft as a newborn baby's. So they do what any of us would do. They run. They run as fast as their new feet will carry them. But one of the lepers stops. He turns around and runs back to Jesus, not saying unclean, unclean in a cowering and ashamed way. But instead, Luke says, quote, praising God with a loud voice. Falling at the feet of Jesus, pouring out the gladness of his thanks. It isn't a tidy little thank you speech, but a stammering babble and a puddle of tears. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It reminds me of what the German mystic Meister Eckhart once said. He said, if the only prayer you offer in your entire lifetime is thanks, it would be enough. Jesus asks, wait a minute, weren't there ten? Where are the other nine? Well, Jesus, they were following your instructions, to be honest. You told them to go to the temple. So they did. Literalists, God love them. I can't speak for the other nine. But for this one, the only thing that feels right is to run back and not stop until he's laid his face on the dirt at Jesus' feet, praising him and giving thanks. He just has to return. His joy must be shared. My son is back from the war. Mom and dad, I've met the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. Look, children, there's a rainbow. My cancer is in remission. Some things you just have to share. Nine lepers followed instructions, but the tenth one actually followed his heart. You know, I actually met the tenth leper about a year ago. She came to the door of the church office. Do you remember me? <laughs> yes, ma'am, I do. How are you doing? How's your baby? Oh, we're doing great. We love our new place. Thank you for helping us with the deposit and a little bit of the first month's rent. 
My son, he loves to play with the Elmo doll you gave him, and I found me a job. The lady I work for is real nice. She pays me every Thursday and gives me Fridays off. This afternoon, I took my pay, I bought some groceries, and I paid all my bills. And I looked down in my hands, and I had $10 left over. I knew what I had to do. I came straight here to the church. I interrupted her. Ma'am, ma'am, it was our pleasure to help you. You do not owe me a dime. She said, preacher, I'm not giving this to you. I'm giving this to God. Will you let me in the sanctuary? She, she ran up the steps to the altar. And with tears streaming down her face, she placed that $10 bill on the table and looked right into the cross and she said, Thank you, Jesus. You've been so good to me. That's a little background on our text for today. Thank you for that, Daniel. Um, wow, how powerful a story. And just like with this passage in Luke, I couldn't help, as you were telling that story, but wonder about all those whose lives have been changed and touched who did not come and bring their $10 to the altar. Because part of this parable, right, is contrasting or not parable story, is, is contrasting the one who did come and give thanks with those who didn't, right? I have not studied this passage in depth to be able to offer a coherent explanation of what I'm about to say, but I don't think Jesus condemns those who didn't turn around to say yes. I don't, I don't think that's in the text. Yeah. But at the same time, there is... I think undeniably Jesus wants to lift up and point out someone who did turn around and say thank you. So, whereas in the story I told, th this woman, she did not need to do this. Mm -hmm. If she had not come back to say thank you, it, it would have made no difference. I would have thought of her no less. But she did. And when she did, she she blessed my heart in a way that I struggle to articulate. I'm stricken by the idea that we get blessed so often, so often that we can't even track it. We just can't. Hmm. And, and whatever does it take for someone to say to themselves, I need to go to the source of that blessing. I need to go to where that came from and make sure I show the proper gratitude. Because most of us in our joy, oh, I've been blessed in a special way. We're too busy saying, oh, I've been blessed in a special way. We're not too busy. You know, I guess we are too busy saying, well, where did this blessing come from really? How did this arise? What would make it happen? And, and your story about the woman coming back to the church where most people think, oh, the church did something great for this person. But she recognized it went one level or many levels deeper than that that God had blessed her and your church got to serve as the vessel for this, which is yet another gift that you've been given. And who takes the time to seriously consider that all the way down like she did? 
Well, and part of the passage, I mean, the detail that this was a Samaritan, right? Mm-hmm. Which was not who one would expect to make this extra expression, right? In fact, he'd be the last person you'd think who would yeah. know he, that he could have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and so I didn't get into this because I, in the Bible background, because I think we need to talk about it. It'll help <laughs> me understand this, because if I if I remember my Hebrew theology in Jewish history, he was a Samaritan, which meant Jesus tells them all to go back, show yourselves to the priests. The Samaritan would not have been allowed in the temple. Hmm. The others, if they weren't Samaritans, would have been greeted, examined by the priest and said, okay, you're fine, you can go back home. But he would not have been allowed into the temple, and so he would have been again denied or rejected. I mean, it's like, it's like I, I may not be a leper anymore, but I'm still a Samaritan. This is not in the text, but this is some holy imagination maybe. Where is he going to go? Yeah. So let me turn back to the one who accepted me, who loved me unconditionally. Where else can he go but to Jesus? I don't know. It's almost like, you know, it, it doesn't matter the instructions, the rules, what other people will think. It's like someone in love. I just have to go back. I, I don't know if any of that is legitimate reading, but but that's where my mind goes when I think the detail that, and we all know Luke does not include any unnecessary words. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the fact that Luke tells us he was a Samaritan is important. I, so I'm, I'm left to wonder about that. And that's sort of what I've come up with, but I don't, I don't know. Also, I'm thinking about the, uh, I can think of a better word than racism involved here. Like it's worse to be a Samaritan than it is to be a leper because the priest can touch a leper and be seen with a leper, but they can't touch or be seen with a Samaritan, whereas Jesus can. And he's, he's willing to. He, he doesn't ask questions about that. His incredulousness is, can you see what's going on here? I've healed all these people, and this one has to come back. Where else is he going to go? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's where my mind goes to, David. This has been such an interesting discussion, and I confess my mind is kind of bouncing around with it. I like where you all are going with this, the um, connection to the Samaritan, and he would have to go back to Jesus. Yes, absolutely, you're right. I'm also very struck that we say when we do take the time to express real gratitude for something that's been given to us, it's either that it filled a very specific or particular need, or maybe it is that it made such a significant difference or that there had been so many things that were not good that had come our way that this good thing happening feels so big. And I'm not exactly sure what's in that. So I keep hearing now in the back of my brain, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there shall be the kingdom of heaven. Perhaps it was the leper's poverty of 
all the things he was impoverished of that caused him to feel so blessed and rich that he wanted to come back and say thank you. So as we typically record these in the afternoon, this morning I led a memorial service here at our church. And this this happens usually at memorial services. Certainly if it's, assuming it's not a traumatic or tragic death, in the midst of sorrow and grief, there is an undeniable joy and gratitude that comes from this deep well of love that we have. I find that when we stop long enough to consider all the reasons that we have for which to be grateful, Thanksgiving is not a chore or a responsibility even. It just happens. And I wonder if that's part of what this leper felt as he was running back to the temple, just kept thinking how much there was for which to be grateful. And he did the only thing he knew how to do, which was turn around and say thank you. And I don't know about y'all, but I, I I could stand to act a little more like that 10th leper. There is something, well, even as the, you told the story, Daniel, that she, uh, the woman who brought the $10, she needed to do it for her own expression of faith and gratitude. Obviously, it wasn't about you. <laughs> it was about her and God. And and one has to believe that 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 act of gratitude was meaningful for her growth in faith. She she received an additional blessing for being gracious. Mm-hmm. And um and you have to think this leper was the same way, right? They Jesus didn't withdraw the blessing from the others or the healing, but there was a special blessing you feel like inherent in what this leper did. And, and received. And, and just as you're saying, I'm thinking to myself how often it is easy for me to focus on the rough patches of my day, the, the things that didn't go well, the things that were irritating, the, you know, whatever, instead of being grateful for the blessings that inherently make their way to us. And I also wonder if Jesus wasn't making a statement of worth for this person who had been viewed as worthless his whole life. I mean, he had two strikes against him. He's a leper, he's a Samaritan. Yeah. But Jesus stands up and very rhetorically, which is Jesus' style, especially in Luke, we're not 10 made clean. You know, he's announcing this to everybody. Look, everybody, we're not 10 made clean. The other nine, where are they? <laughs> and you imagine everybody who's hearing him say this, though, would hear him say, is there none to return and give praise to you, God, except this foreigner? This They're foreigner. all feeling the same thing about him being a Samaritan that the priest would have felt. They're all saying, well, I would have rejected him too. You know, but here he is at Jesus' feet, and Jesus is calling out that this person has shown gratitude. Their faith has made them well, despite the fact that all of you around here would be looking down on him. Understand that they had the faith that made them well. You know, they did what was good in this case. They were justified to some extent. And these other people who you might have been buddies with, 
you know, you, you would have had over to dinner at your house and not felt bad about, well, where are they? Yes, it is easy to see ourselves in the ones who did not return. And perhaps we ought to be more uh, grateful for the foreigners in our own midst, those who we might be tempted to look down upon. The uh, famous mystic uh, and, and monk uh, Thomas Merton wrote about gratitude. And of course, his focus was often on the development of the inner self and, and how that impacts our, our faith. And he said this, he said, to be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything he has given us. To recognize the love of God in everything he has given us. And he has given us everything. Every breath we draw is a gift of his love. Every moment of existence is a grace, for it brings with it immense graces from him. Mm. Gratitude, therefore, takes nothing for granted, is never unresponsive, is constantly awakening to new wonder and to praise of the goodness of God. For the grateful person knows that God is good, not by hearsay, but by experience. And that is what makes all the difference. May we all be grateful for everything that God gives to us. Thank you all for this good conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Subscribe to the Faith Element Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.